Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to your next installment of the podcast series. So on today's show, I have squash royalty with me in the form of Renim Al-Walili. Renim was known and was revered by all her fans over the world with her style of play, her silky hands, her flowing movement, and just the way she played the game in such a thoughtful, creative, expressive, and really kind way. And whenever I do put out videos of her on uh, squash skills or, or any analysis, they are the most popular ones. Um, she's got a massive loyal fan base, so it was really good to be able to sit down with Renim today. So some career highlights including winning the World Junior Open twice, as well as reaching the world number one position and also getting a world title in the bag along the way. She won 24 PSA titles and was on the Pro Tour for an incredible 18 years. And she was the first Egyptian athlete to reach world number one in, in any sport, which is a pretty incredible stat. She is also the wife of Tarek Momin, who also won a world title in his career. So no pressure on the young lad Shahir in the years to come. Um, but actually what we talk about is quite interesting about parenting and parenting styles. And I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, we had a, such a fun chat and she really opened up about all the aspects of her life, her career, and there's some real nuggets of gold sitting in what she said and reflected on in this podcast. So in the show, we discuss parents and the pivotal role they play in young athletes' development, both the positive and the negative. 
and how at the end of the day, it's all driven by the fun and a deep-rooted love for the sport, especially when the lows were there. And in her darkest time, she would reflect and really think about, am I doing this for the ultimate love of the game? She would have a support network around her, including her parents and coaches and, and personal trainers, but she would reflect really well at, at why she's playing this game. We also go into the whole big field of nerves and anxiety and how best to try and reframe them to handle the situation and to perform at your best. We also talk about how she prepares herself physically and mentally to access her flow state. And there's quite a nice little surprising nugget in there that that I was quite uh, glad to hear about. So please do listen out for that. She also talks about how she tried to handle pressure and all the expectations from a very young age, how she was known to be very talented and how everyone around her would, would talk about her talent. And then when she went into her senior career, how when she lost first and second rounds in his first few years, how she'd come back and, and the expectations and the pressure just grew and grew and grew. And how at a certain point where almost, you know, she just let her shoulders drop and everyone around her just relaxed a little bit, how this made her play her best squash. She also shares some cool little things about dealing with bad losses and how mentally you should try cope and deal with this and also how to focus the mind when things are going wrong within the match. We also reflect on the drive that led her to win the World Open because she had lost uh, in, in two previous finals and how she was able to use this to then concentrate and focus the mind in, in order to get herself over the line to actually win that World Open title. And there's just so many other little interesting threads that we pull on and go down and I think you'll find this chat really fascinating. So without further ado, please welcome Raneem Alwalili. Raneem Alwalili, welcome to the next episode of the podcast series. Thanks for joining me today. I know we had to push back a week, so thanks for being really kind with that. But um, I think a good place to maybe launch us off is um, to let us know, you know, what you've been up to since your retirement. It's, it's been a couple of years now, um, lots changed in your life. Um, so do you want to give us a, a brief little update, please? Yeah, hi Jesse. It's very good to uh, to be with you today. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, well, uh, since I've retired, uh, as most people know, I uh, we Tara and I we both had uh, a little baby boy, Shahir, who is now one year and uh, nine months. Uh, time is flying around him. I I, I can barely feel like uh, like. Uh, to me, it feels like it was yesterday when I retired, when I was still pregnant, but uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying every step of it. Uh, I haven't been doing anything else uh, other than, than being with Shahir all the time for now, but uh, I've been uh, thinking a lot. I've been spending a lot of time with myself, exploring uh, new areas of life, uh, trying to see what I maybe like, what I dislike, you know, uh, when I first retired, I uh, I had decided that there are a few areas or a few uh, fields that I'm not going to explore at all. I've, I've shut the door completely on those. Uh, but but now as the time passes, you know, I, I come back to them and I start wondering why I said no, maybe maybe open the door again, maybe start thinking about it. So I'm, okay. I'm basically considering all areas of life, all aspects of uh, whether it's squash, whether it's sports, whether it's just uh, anything else outside of uh, the field. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm just exploring with everything, and uh, I I maybe see awesome. yeah I maybe see where where that will take me eventually. Hopefully somewhere good. Okay. Nice. Can 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 I, can I be a bit more curious? Can you share anything of of what those fields are? Because that sounds fascinating. Well, I my head's gone to like sports management. It's gone to coaching. It's gone to uh, uh, starting up uh, business on the side and maybe maybe do some coaching just for fun on the side you know I, I love squash and and I never want to 
go away from that. I, I still yeah. play as much as I possibly can, which is not which is not enough for me. <laughs> but uh, I try to do uh, the best that I can. But uh, I I'd always like to be involved with sports somehow. So uh, so whether that's awesome. uh, squash related, sports related, psychology maybe nutrition, fitness, what, whatever, whatever that is, I'm still, I'm still exploring and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to find the, something eventually. Perfect. Hey, that's the best way. Like have a nice big range of things, explore, yes. and then you can start drilling yes. down a little bit. Um, so I'm curious to what it's like when you play again now, like is the competitive juices, do they come back? Do you get angry with yourself? Do you uh, let go a little bit better? What, what do you think? Well, it's, it's very hard to, uh, to actually, well, it took me a lot of time to accept the fact that I will never play the same level again. You know, the level just drops, no, whether you like it or not. Uh, you're, you're never going to put in the same hours of practice that you used to do. You're never going to play with the same people that you used to play with who were very strong. So the level just drops. And it took me a mm-hmm. long time to accept that. But uh, I finally accepted it. So uh, it's, it's been tough, you know, uh, arranging to play with someone because... I really don't know where my level is and there's not much that I can do. Like my movement is not the best, so I cannot really move to the front. So if I oh, wow. play with the, with one of the top girls, they're going to crush me. But if I play with someone of a lower level, I would crush them. So I've been trying to find some middle ground, you know, but, uh, yeah. but it's, uh, it's all fun. I'm, I still get angry at myself. Of course, I'm still very, <laughs> very competitive. I've always been in every aspect of life, but, of course. Uh, but it's, uh, it's great. I really enjoy it. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, yeah, hopefully you can get that balance right. Maybe what we speak about today, you'll get some more juices going and the mind will start to tick into place. So. <laughs> Fun yes, times. Yes, maybe, um, maybe. Exactly. We'll see what happens. So, um, but listen, as a player, you know, everyone really loved watching you play, you know, your clean ball striking, the very expressive and flowing style, you know, it's a very admirable bit. And whenever I do a video on, on squash skills and it's based on some of your technique, it's, it's the most popular one. So and I think you had a, a big, big fan base. And, well, a pleasure. Well, I'm curious is how, um, how did this part of your game develop? I think I, when I, when I, before I played squash, I was squash for a long time. My brother, he started before I did. And, and, and my eyes kind of caught on everything before my body actually did everything. And I think that helped me a lot with, the, with like the technique, the movement, how just to strike the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and over the years, uh, I... I think it's safe to say that that I'm one of the talented players that uh, played the squash. So, uh, so yeah, I think the talent was uh, was just God given, and I was always very grateful for that. Uh, obviously, uh, as a, as a little kid, uh, when you're talented, you just want to go for shots and you just want to you know enjoy it. But uh, you you grow up, and as the years pass, you actually realize that it's. Uh, it's not about the talent. It's there's so much more to the game than just being mm-hmm. talented. And and you actually try and work on everything, because the talent is not gonna help you win at the end of the day. Like it's it's everything else around the talent then is actually going to help you. You know, like the talent only adds to like five ten percent at the end of the day. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess this is how it started. But uh, as the years passed, I played with so many coaches. I played with so many people, and I got so much advice. And and obviously everyone had a, like a major effect on me somehow. Uh, obviously the coaches that I spent like three four years with affected me more than the coaches who I just had one session with. But the, over the years, so many coaches affected me. I don't want to be calling names and forgetting others. But the, I think the 
the, the most important coach was Haysa Maifat, my, my last coach, right before I retired. He, uh, he was obsessed with movement and just how you strike the ball, how to perfect uh, mm-hmm. the way you hit the ball, how to perfect your movement all the time. This was a, a major aspect of what we worked on. And, uh, and, and the, the more I did it, the more I was obsessed with it too. And, and it kind of became an obsession perfecting, you know, your movement and, and the way you hit the shot. Nice. The flow, I, I think, uh, is very, very, very important, whether you have the, the, the ability to do it or not, whether it's forced or whether it's just it's, it's there, you have it. You kind of have to do it, whether you like it or not. Mm. So the flow uh, and the movement is, is a very, very important aspect, I think. Yeah, totally. And, and that really leads me on to my, my next little bit I wanted to explore. And we might kind of circle back to, to Haytham. And yes, I, I know you don't want to kind of pick out coaches. I've, I've been lucky enough to speak to Haytham on, on the show, which has been really interesting. And But I'm curious to rewind to maybe some 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 of what the, the, the junior play in Egypt looks like. So some of your memories, your experiences, and what it was like that set you up for this great career that you had. So can you reflect on on how you use that initial talent and maybe the environment of that junior setup all of a sudden took you to those next levels? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, I think the parents play a very, very big role in Egypt, whether it's positive or negative. They kind of, they're just there all the time. Uh, my parents, I believe, luckily for me, they worked in the mornings. Uh, so so they weren't there all the time. Okay. Like they they like my mom only showed up for the evening session, which was to me was a blessing. Like in the morning, I could just go to the club. I'd have fun. I'd just hit the ball. I'd run around. I'd do whatever I wanted with the other kids. We we could even like, you know, skip squash and do anything else around the club. Whereas other examples of other players who had their parents there morning and night, they didn't have that ability, you know, like they didn't go for the fun. The parents were there every session and every session had to count, you know, like this was solo. This was you play with the coach. This was you play with the other player and you have mm-hmm. to win. Like, it was very intense sometimes, and I believe I was very lucky that my parents were not as intense as other parents were, uh, and, and this kind of made me love the sport. Like the, the fun part of it is what made me actually fall in love with the sport over and over again and actually become this competitive player nice. because I would go with my, with my brother, <clears throat> and I was probably the youngest and, and one of very few girls in, in a group of uh, seven, eight players at the club. Who, who would just you know go to the course and have fun and this and this was the the most the most fun part of it and this is this is how things started for me I think mm. uh, I really enjoyed it I also enjoyed playing at tournaments the competition to me was uh, was thrilling you know I uh, I went to the first tournament and I got uh, third place and uh, and because obviously the, the number of girls were not as many as I said like we'd have a draw of six or eight players sometimes. So it wasn't that big. So yeah, I, uh, I remember feeling so happy, you know, for getting third place and getting a trophy at the very first tournament. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, this is, this is how it starts for me. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. That's some really cool memories you, you shared Dan. Thanks for sharing that. And such an interesting debate with the parents, isn't it? You know, it's, 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 you said, obviously it can be like a really big positive, but it can actually be a, a really big negative at the same time. And, you know, you being a parent now and, and obviously with, with a young son, and obviously you're not going to be playing just yet, you know, any, any advice you would 
give to the, the, the parents, even, even the, the, the kind of the young kids, it might be hard for the young kids to speak to the parents about, Hey, the pressure's too much, but any advice from your side about what the, the, the best relationship or the, or the best environment the parents can give their children. You've, it sounds like you've experienced it. Um, any thoughts on that? I think, I think it's very important to have the support of your parents, whether, whether, whether they're there physically or not, the support is obviously very crucial. Like having someone that supports you, you know, at a loss or a win, if you don't have someone there to, to share the emotions with, it's, it's not worth it at all. So having your parents, your family there is, is very crucial, obviously. But uh, it's it's also crucial to give your kids some some space to breathe, you know, to have fun, to actually do it for the fun of it. You're not you're not playing from the first tournament to win the tournament or to win the match or to be to the best player in the world. You're just you're just playing for the fun of it, and that's that's the most important part. My parents were always stressing on on the fact that if I don't love it anymore, I shouldn't do it. Like not not like it, but love it. I had to love it every step of the way. Uh, Obviously, this was not the case. Like, obviously, you have your uh, your bad patches and you're down and you're depressed and you don't want to do it anymore. But but uh, I remember at the very, very darkest moments for me, I remember my parents sat me down and they still asked me, do you still love it? Do you still want to do it? Even when I was still, like, when I was a professional player, they still kept asking. Mm-hmm. So I believe loving the sport is is the key. And I think the parents should provide the, their kids with this environment. Any other environment is is... I don't want to say toxic, but it's going to be bound for failure at the end. Like, uh, if if you don't love it, you're just not gonna want to do it for mm-hmm. the long for the long time, you know. So, so I think this is the most important point. Awesome, awesome message, and thanks for that. And you know, it's unfortunate because we see the Hollywood films, don't we? Like, I don't know if you've seen King Richard yet with Will Smith, which amazing film, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like yeah. And that's the confirmation bias where you get this this uh, period that just goes like super intense, right? And obviously, they produce some amazing things. But what about the ten thousand other parents that did the same thing, yeah. and you don't hear about those? It's it's yeah. it can be really dark, can't it? What what do you think? Well, I think I think this movie was pretty. It was very good. Like, like this story was supposed to be told. You know, like uh, Serena and Venus, they're legends. Like, and the way and the way the story uh, developed, I think it had to be shared that way. Mm-hmm. There is no, there is no denying uh, the fact that it's a very, very successful story. But it's not going to work for everyone. Like, uh, exactly. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I have a close friend on tour, Melissa, Melissa Alves from France. She watched the movie and she was like, you have to watch the movie. I, I'm already writing the book for my children. I'm going to get them ready. I'm writing the first chapter right now. And I was like, this is not, this is not how it's done. Like you don't wow. even, you don't even have any plans of having any kids. You shouldn't be thinking of that at all right now. But she was like, yeah, but it's very inspiring how you did it. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think as much as, uh, the movie is is inspiring as much as it's actually like uh, it was super intense and it's it not was. for everyone mm. it's not for everyone and and they they were like they they managed to find the balance between loving it and actually doing it and being competitive and having four or five different girls in one house who all have different ambitions and all have different hobbies and all want to do different things and have their own characters it's not that easy to do like with with other parents or for other parents or for other kids so i think while it's very inspiring like don't don't take it literal like don't try and, and write a book for your kids let them let them find their 
your own path somehow mm. and, and it is it, these stories are amazing and I've heard different things from chess and music and these other you know people who have made success and it is the blueprint from the parents early on they write the they write the book um and it sells it sells books it sells stories it sells the dream but like are we looking at the other side of the coin or we look at the dark side where sometimes we don't do that do we and, and it, we all of a sudden we see the headlines and so yeah it's interesting that Melissa straight away found found that motivation and it's good that you've got kind of <laughs> she, balanced she, she was obviously she was obviously joking like she was she took it all to another level she, t- she tends to be <laughs> over dramatic sometimes but she she was joking I mean but you, you get the gist like yes, you get 100%. what I'm trying to say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But no, listen, a great message coming from, from a, you know, a world number one, a world champion, massively successful, that, that it's about having fun. It's about getting the balance. The, the, the child himself has to be the driving energy and the force. The parents can facilitate that and come along for the journey. But when it tips into the parents' journey and the parents' way, where maybe King Richard got a little bit like that sometimes, that's where the balance can get a bit skewed, can't it? Yes. Mm. Yes, so- yes, absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here now, and, and I'm going to kind of also bring this back. Um, there's, 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 you know, I've got a question here, which, which, you know, you won the world open, right. And amazing, like the pinnacle of your career and obviously world number one, but it was on your third occasion. And what I'm curious about is you lost in the final for the previous two um, world opens. And I can imagine the stories in your head and the inner voice, there may have been some difficulties to control. So I'm, I'm actually quite curious to unpack that, that the, 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 the title you won the third time round and what was going on in the mind. Well, let me start by saying I'm, I'm one of those people who believe in cliches. Like uh, you, you get me to watch a Hollywood movie and I believe everything in it. Like uh, you tell me, like you work hard, you're gonna get there i believe that you do that you do that you do that. all the cliches that you can ever think of to me you just say it once and i get it like uh, i rem- i remember very well i i'll always remember that the night i lost to nicole david in the final of the world open the first time i remember my coach was like uh, all right we lost the world open final it's time to to go for the number one spot and i was like yeah it so is and, and this is what i'm going to do i lost to nicole today i wasn't supposed to I don't want to lose to Nicole ever again. That this was this was the clear message that I had by the end of that night. You know, like uh, it was a very tough loss, of course, and uh, and it was very hard to come back from mentally. But uh, but it was the driving force for me throughout the next two years, maybe after that. So uh, I think it, it, it's what defined me, and this is how everyone rem- remembers me somehow. And and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not uh, not sad about it at all. Uh, I remember losing the first World Open, uh, and and walking out that course feeling certain emotions. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I buried all those emotions. I buried all the memories of that match. I I I won't be lying if I told you I don't remember what happened from ten six to twelve ten. I don't remember the score. Like I. I completely like I I don't think I watched it for like two years after that. Maybe. Oh really? Wow. No, like I because I, I I remember two or three rallies of the four, like from ten six to nine ten or ten all. I remember two or three of them, and and they were on repeat in my head. There was no need for me to watch it. You know, mm. like it, it was just it there was all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was there. Yeah. So, uh, but but I I somehow managed to put this aside and and. And tell myself, it's it's not uh, it, it happened, but it's not gonna happen again mm-hmm. until the next World Open final came, mm-hmm. and then it all opened up like like 
all the emotions that I tried to put aside, they all came, they blew up in my face, basically. I was sitting in my room before that final match against Serbini at Tilbuna. I was crying the whole day. I was really? so nervous. I just didn't want to get on court. I, I, it was so bad. It's one of the worst, the worst days of my, not the worst days of my life. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but uh, I mean, like the one, one of the like the worst pre-match days for me. You know, sure. uh, yeah, it was. I, I was just terrified. I didn't want to get on court, and uh, and and walking out that court. On the second final, losing to Sherbini, I remember feeling the exact same emotions that I had felt on the other court. The, mm. it, it felt like it was just yesterday, you know, two losses, two finals. It felt exactly the same. Mm. And I was devastated. But that actually, again, uh, you know, when you try going after the world champs, you try mm-hmm. once, twice, three times, four times, you know, like those finals, they were the first finals. But I've been going after it already before that. Like it wasn't my first or second trial. Uh, so... So every World Open, you try something new, you try a different approach. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I was too nervous last time. I'd be super calm this time. It doesn't work. Okay, I was uh, too soft with the way I was hitting the ball. I'm going to hit the ball so hard. It doesn't work. Uh, I wasn't fit enough. I'm going to be the fittest person. It doesn't work. It's, it's sometimes, it sometimes just doesn't work. Like it's, it's not meant yeah. to be, you know, like, and sometimes it's not about just making one thing work. It's about having the complete picture come together, you know. And and it doesn't happen to everyone. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen when you need it to happen. But but uh, luckily for me, this this happened at the World Open that I won. I was actually in in the perfect mindset. I was in the perfect zone. Uh, having learned from the previous losses in the finals, mm-hmm. I actually went into the third final very calm, very composed. I mm-hmm. I had nothing to lose basically because I. I've I've already lost it twice and yeah. and I was super excited to be in the final again. So mm-hmm. so it was a completely different approach and I don't think I was ever as as relaxed as I was in this tournament. Oh, awesome! That's really really cool to hear. That thanks for sharing that. And yeah, sounds um obviously those those dark moments are are you know yeah really dark. But it's it's I think you said it really well. It's how you define yourself, how you came out the other side. What what did you add to your armor suit? What what new weapons did you have? Okay, it didn't work a second time, and then obviously the third time was the treat. It's uh, the Goldilocks effect. You call it. One was too hot, one was too cold. Third one just right. Um, and how do you think you? Again, yeah, maybe hard to kind of really remember or go into the detail, but that 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 third final, the one where that that it all came right and everything just worked. You know, you said you were calm. Like, can you just explore that a little bit more? Like, when you say calm, what, what was what was the story inside your head? How were you able to access your best self? Do you think? Well, I think first of all, it's uh, it's very important to say that Toro was with me in that room that same week when I won. And he had a, a bad, like not a bad loss, but he has he had an early exit at the World Champs, losing to Miguel, who was playing very very well, and Torre was just not having a good day, so uh, so he lost. And uh, and you know, as a couple, you stick together whether you win or lose, and it's it's not the easiest to stick around when you've lost uh, a major tournament that you're actually going after. Uh, but but he stayed and. Uh, like he was trying to hide it, but he was he wasn't he wasn't in a very good place, you know. Mentally, yeah. he was uh, he was devastated. So that kind of kept me in in check. If that makes sense. Like yeah. uh, I I wasn't overwhelmed. I wasn't like I I could see that he was sad, 
but but you know like you just have to you have you have to move on with life you know so you just uh, i was somehow like somehow seeing how sad he was at the loss made mm-hmm. me realize that if i'm going to lose i'm going to lose you know like it's, uh, there is there's is nothing that's going to change that and and i don't know i don't know how to explain it but somehow there was some calmness in my head i wasn't i wasn't over excited i wasn't worried about my emotions as much as i was maybe thinking about his emotions mm-hmm. i remember very well i couldn't sleep the night of the quarter finals you know having to play nicole david again in the quarters of world champs was was big and uh, i couldn't sleep very well that night but then once i got past nicole that kind of uh, opened my mind up even more like mm-hmm. uh, i got past one of the biggest challenges of the tournament and uh, and then i remember very well uh, uh, i i didn't really like the world title <laughs> so on the semi finals night i was like okay uh, after i'd won they still hadn't played nur and nur So I was like, okay, if if Taib wins, I don't want to play here. If Sherbini wins, she just beat me in the last World Champs, so I don't want to play here either. So <laughs> it was it was just a matter of realizing that I just had to go with the flow and just accept whatever comes my way and keep and keep doing what I'm doing and 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 appreciate the fact that I'm still in the tournament while Tara is out. Maybe like it was it was just it was very balanced in my head somehow. and and this rarely happened for me throughout mm-hmm. my career and uh, and and I was very lucky that week yeah yeah that's why well, you said it really well you painted such an amazing picture and I'm sitting here listening and going ah yes that added and maybe a bit more maturity a little bit older you've got your your other half you've got you, you're zooming out aren't you you kind of seeing the big picture it's going okay well yes it's really important to me but actually I've got my my partner here who's really suffering and struggling and and you know you almost maybe yes. even looking after him a little bit what I'm kind of hearing you say which as yes. and you got balance balance is the word isn't it like man when you when you strike that balance it's it's the sweet spot I think we're all trying to keep striving to find that balance aren't we and yeah um so what I was wanting to do now maybe was maybe zoom in a little bit more into some of the mental tools and and you've already mentioned one um that that I'm really interested with and curious to to explore this with you and so nerves and anxiety before matches you know um a huge huge topic you know and i assume you know like you like everyone we get nervous right it's it's obviously a big thing um over time because maybe i don't know maybe did you have less nerves when you're younger more nerves when you're younger less nerves when you know you you'd won some titles you know how did you try and handle the nerves in a positive way to make you play your best do you think I I think the 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 nerves kind of uh, struggle it I didn't get past it until I was like until I was at the very end of my career you know like I said so many experiences that I've that I've gone through I've I've gone through experiences where I was so nervous like I said before Shirbini's match I was crying the whole day before the match uh, some other matches you know you're so nervous you're like So a player like me I like to go for shots if I'm too nervous my hand is just stiff like there is no way like I lose 50% of my game uh some matches I was so nervous to the point that the day after I was so sore so stiff really... from all the nerves all the tension that I couldn't even compete in the match after so one experience after the other you kind of get to know yourself you kind of get to know your body you kind of get to know the emotions of of 
of yourself of how you feel and uh, and and uh, yeah I, i i remember so many matches that i lost just because i was nervous and then mm-hmm. as the years pass the more you talk to your coaches or to the support system around you uh, you know uh, my fitness coach used to talk to me a lot and uh, and keep my emotions in check like he was he was not my mental coach but but the talks that we had were as close as it can get to a mental coach mm-hmm. and uh, and and he, he would get me past those those bad days while while in practice uh Haysam, on the other hand he would tell me okay of course you have to be nervous of course you have to be afraid mm-hmm. uh, if you're not afraid to lose then 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 you're not human then you're then you don't care enough about yeah. the, the the match or you don't care about the winning enough so so there is no denying that you are going to have nerves every time you step on court that you are going to be afraid of losing every time you step on court mm. but it's it's a matter of accepting the fact that being afraid or being scared is actually what proves that you care about what you're doing and that you care about winning and uh, that accepting the fact that you are going to be afraid to lose and that you are going to have some nerves it 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 it's just a reflection of how badly you actually want it it's a reflection mm. of how much you care and how much you want to win which is at the end of the day a positive emotion it's a good thing that you want to win it's a good thing that you that you care so much uh, also there is no denying that you are playing against an opponent who is probably as nervous if, if not even more nervous than you sometimes yeah, so, points, so I, i think uh, The, ner- the, the nerves are going to be there regardless whether you like it or not. It's just a matter of accepting them and, and, and just going along. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It is yeah, I've again I completely agree it it is if you if you're not nervous yeah the, the, it doesn't feel as important to you and if it doesn't feel as important you might not get into that right state but there's there's the tipping point isn't there obviously when the nerves become too much then the performance gets frozen and then your hand gets frozen like you said and then you stiff the next day and i i, just, I think yeah. it's it's it, it's an ever an ever searching journey isn't it you know it's a journey that i think like top athletes yeah. are always trying to search for and it's if you can see it as a as a as a beautiful journey it's something i try work with my players to kind of go actually brilliant like every time You're, you're in the situation. It's another opportunity to practice, another opportunity to get a little bit more mature, to grow a little bit, to just learn a little bit more about yourself. 
and and over time if if we can see nerves as a a positive thing that we can channel to get a yes. good performance i think that can be really powerful and and I, and i really love trying to find that um so i think i want to flip it and and let me ask you a question that's almost exactly the opposite to nerves which is your flow, right. your flow state when you when you're completely flowing um you know, what, what, what was this for you? What did this look like? How did you try and get into the flow state where everything was just, you know, Renim at her best? What, what comes to mind when I ask that? I think the, the again, I'm going to go back to the flow basically starts for me with the movement. And if my movement is in the right place, eventually my shots are going to be in the right place. And if I keep pushing myself towards perfecting the movement and towards perfecting the way, uh, I get into position to hit the shots. Mm-hmm. Eventually, my head just gets in the zone of of being focused on doing something, no matter what that something is. But at least you know your head is in is is doing something. It's not somewhere off, you know, uh, thinking of something else outside the court. But I think this is the the flow of movement is what basically made me mentally stronger, what perfected my shots, and what kept me like made me keen on perfecting the movement every game, every match, every every tournament. This is this is what I was trying to do all the time, perfecting the movement and finding the flow that you are t- talking about. Mm. That's that's really that's great because I think a lot of people in substance, maybe I'm guilty of it, is is getting the flow in the mind first and then the body will follow. But I'm hearing that you get the body right first and then the mind follows. What can you give some examples of what that movement might have looked like? What what you were trying to tell yourself? What what were the things that were the gateway to get your body moving, then to get your mind moving? Well, it's, it starts with the very simple things, you know, like uh, uh, be, being alert on the tee, being ready, like being in the right position when you're standing on the tee, waiting for your opponent to hit the shot to be to be so that your eyes are, are, are ready to, to jump onto the next ball as early as possible, to take it as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it starts with the simple few steps that you do after striking the serve or the, the simplest few steps that you do to return a serve. Like it's, this is how it starts, you know, like okay. getting, getting the kickstart in your feet uh, is, is how it starts for me. Uh, and, and then from there, I think, uh, I think it's it's making sure that you make that extra step to go to hit the ball because you know sometimes you're there but you're not you're not like there is like half a step missing you know doing that extra step always always made me uh, always made me keen on hitting the right shot from the right position and hitting the the the, the right uh, hitting the right targets eventually mm. so I think I think this is how it started for me, like ma- making sure I'm always doing the extra step or I'm always doing the that explosive step on the tee mm-hmm. is uh, is something that I've worked on a lot with Haitham. He was he was really the guy behind this this theory and this and this idea, and and it worked really well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, e- evident from uh, from from the career stats definitely work well. And when you were in your flow and when you were hitting the ball, moving, anticipating. That's maybe another thing I just want to speak about. You know, yeah, you know, the evidence was there. Like, like, you know, watching some of those matches back, it's just, yeah, like, like it's, it's, it's phenomenal to watch. Um, and you said something interesting there that I just want to pick up on because uh, as a coach, I'm always trying to coach this and, and I've got my different methods, but I have asked a lot of people this, uh, yeah. this question and I want to hear what, what you think. You might not know the answer. Um, what are you looking right. at? What, right. what, what, what are you trying to watch? Because so many people come to me and go, 
I just, I can't see it when they boast or they're always catching me with the cross court. Um, and, and even when I've asked some of the, 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 the top pros and even people outside of squash about like, right, what, what should the eyes be looking at? Where should I be looking? What, what do you try to do to get, to get that anticipation, to get that first explosive step? What do you watch, Renine? I think, I think my eye is always on the ball. I've, I've had people telling me, look at your opponent once they, uh, once they take the racket too high up, it means they're going to boast or cross court. That mm-hmm. never worked for me. Mm-hmm. It just never worked. To me, my eyes had to always be on the ball and, and my, my brain needed to be ready, you know, to, to go the wrong way and then come back again. I see. Because, I see. because you are going to go the wrong way, whether you like it or not, eventually. It's just a, it's a matter of getting your brain ready to come back mm-hmm. and, and try and get it, even if you're not going to get it, just the just the attempt to try is 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 very important, I think. I really like that. I like that, you know, you actually expect it to go the wrong way. Not expect it, because because you don't want to just preempt that the whole time. But yeah, like like you 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 have to accept that yeah, squash is a, a very random variable game and, and you have to be able to go that wrong way. I really like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one for the brain. So thank you. I'm I'm learning stuff here, which is which is I if I'm being selfish, this, this, this is the point of the podcast. I just I just love digging. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> um so <laughs> I'm I'm sure everyone gave you different answers as well. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. So many different. And again, I'm I'm still exploring. And you know, the the more yeah. I think about it now, there, there's no one answer. Do you know what I mean? There's like everyone would see it differently. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. like you very much on the ball. Exactly. Other people are very zoomed out. They look at the whole big picture and they 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 let their mind analyze that. Um. So yeah, I think as a coach, what I think I'm trying to do now is, okay, let's find out what's going to be useful for you as the player. Like let's, we've got to yes. run some experiments. Yes. Do we do we experiment with just look at the ball? Do we experiment with, with just the opponent? Do we experiment of a, of a hybrid, like a halfway bit? Um, but yeah, I'd like, I really like that brain, that expectation of it kind of going the wrong way and then trying, trying really hard once you've gone the wrong way. So no, thanks for that. That's really cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Renine, what is what does match preparation involve for you? Um, again, a question I get asked a lot. How do I prepare for the match? What do I need to do? So, could you just run us through, like, if you think some of your best matches or when you accessed that good footwork to get into the flow state, um, what what was your preparation like? Uh, okay, are we talking right just just pre match preparation, yeah. or are we talking like the whole day? Like, I think uh, I think let's just focus in on the pre match. Um, again, there's so many different things, but let's maybe look right. at, okay. You're at the tournament, you're at the venue. You know, you maybe what, how long do you arrive before a match and, and yeah. go from there? Yeah. I think. All right, I think I think I try to be there uh, for the like two matches before my match. So that I watch a little bit of the of the match that is that is being played, mm-hmm. and then once the, the the match right before me starts, I'm out. Like I'm I'm out of the court. But I really like to watch some some matches being played on the court where I'm going to be playing uh, before I do. Uh, sometimes it helps when you watch certain players because mm-hmm. because that actually helps get you in in the flow or it. I think my the way my brain worked is, like I said, my eyes, since mm-hmm. I was a kid, this is how I started squash. So my eyes is where it starts for me. Like, okay. uh, it's very easy for me to look at something and, and imitate it. It's not, it's not easy for me, but I'm just saying it's easy for me to look at a certain player and, and like Rami, for example, or Shabana or uh, Greg, for that matter. It, it really helped looking at them play and then play. Right. 
whereas because their flow you know because the way they move because the way they hit the ball they they're like they were very very much in sync and it was it was good for me to watch that mm-hmm. before my match to get, to to kind of get it started for me not that i did every match i'm just saying it really had when they were like before me to watch mm-hmm. them but uh, but then once uh, once the the match before me started i was out of there i was starting to you know I start with putting my shoes on. I start to get the music started in my ears. Uh, I would, uh, you know, sit down, think a little bit about the match uh, for the first game that is being played before me. And then uh, once uh, once it's one love, uh, I start warming up. And uh, the, the warm-up changed for me a lot since I was a kid until I retired. And I think it's... Uh, it's safe to say that by the end of my career the warm up was pretty much me dancing to the music that i'm listening to brilliant i like I, that i i would yeah i would hide <laughs> in wherever corner i could find i'm not a very good dancer but i i always like just just moving with the music that i'm listening to and this would actually get me in the mood and in the zone uh, and 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 this helped me a lot uh, <laughs> That's before amazing. the matches if that makes uh, any sense to yeah well and it's funny you say that because um when when i right. um laura a little while ago she said yeah like when she took herself a little bit less seriously and she actually same like she danced to the music she'd put music on and actually kind of find a way to dance and yes. I, i'm sure you both are lying here when you say you're not very good dancers i'm sure there's there's something quite good going on there but uh <laughs> um yeah she, she said that she was able to access her her, her best self like she was calmer in the mind quiet in the mind when she maybe took and this was later in her career as well so it's interesting how it does evolve through a career isn't it i'm i'm very 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 surprised to hear this about laura to be honest <laughs> yeah i know you're surprised like, <laughs> thank when, you for sharing this <laughs> yeah, you can tell her next time you'll be like hey i heard that you danced before and it was only i think it was before the world <laughs> world and um, it might have been i can't remember who she played in that final but the one that she won in in dubai was that um was that you or not i can't remember she i think it was me once and it was shibini the other time mm, yeah yeah she so said, i don't know which one she meant yeah you yeah. said like yeah she was in a hotel room and almost accidentally started dancing to a song and she was like oh this feels good this feels great and then she went on yeah, and she, yeah, won, yeah, yeah. she said and then since then she tried it a little bit and uh yeah definitely something later on <laughs> later on in her career and it yes. is it is interesting how it does evolve and and it's it's just getting to know yourself better isn't it like i think the more you can know yes. yourself and the more you can access maybe a you know obviously laura is very serious and really dedicated and that's what was surprising to her when she kind of was like oh actually yeah. there's, a, there's a different different place i can take myself to mentally which i i think is really interesting um yeah and and also this this might, this might be a little bit um linked with, with, with you Raneem, and and again i've asked quite a few people this is you know with success comes expectations right so you get the expectations from yourself from your coaches your friends your family etc how did you try handle these expectations and not let the pressure of expectations become too much? What do you think when I ask that? Uh, I think I, I've handled the pressure of expectations way too early in my career. <laughs> I, as a junior, I was, I was, uh, I, I was the talented player, and so I was under the false impression, or everyone was under the false impression at the time that just because you're talented, you're going to make it. And like I said, this is partially why it took me so long to get past the idea that talent is not everything mm-hmm. at all. 
but but in in Egypt growing up all I was told is you're so talented you're so talented you, sh- you should be winning why aren't you winning you should be winning why aren't you winning and this this I think uh, held me back for for a long time in my career as a junior uh, not as a junior but like uh, as a junior I, I was fine I was handling this I was I was very successful as a junior which which I was blessed for mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but once the junior period ended and I stepped into the professional uh, side of things uh, I wasn't as successful obviously like I was losing first rounds coming back home losing first rounds coming back home and that's when the questions you know started to not multiply but they were quadrupled you know mm. like uh, uh, coaches that I were coached by when I was young are like you should be winning why are you losing da, 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 da. and this was very depressing it was, it was very disappointing and uh, it took me you know like I said it took me a lot to get past that Sure. And and it also took me a lot to realize that okay, talent is not is not gonna cut it, you know. Like talent is not enough, and uh, and I think I I only started to do well once uh, I don't want to say people gave up on me, but once my close circle were like okay, they got used to me going losing first round, coming back, losing second round, come back, not you know not getting past. Uh, the, the top players were not uh, having any big wins. Yep. Uh, uh, and and eventually when I when I won a major tournament, my I think my parents were like, Are you serious? Did you actually win? Like they they, really? they had wow. I don't want to say this they'd lost yeah. hope. They didn't they didn't lose hope obviously, but I mean like they were like they were kind of used to the other side of things, you know, like to me yeah. losing and coming back. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I think uh, I, I lost my focus here and I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> mm. But what I'm trying to say is expectations, they they can crush you, but you kind, you kind of have to uh, learn that not everything that people say is supposed for you to hear. Like it's mm. not meant, it's, it's not supposed to, to, be, to be heard or even acknowledged by you. Like yeah. you should focus on on listening to to like a, a certain amount of people or like four or five people that you trust and that you actually work with yeah and that know you inside out and see you every day and and this is when their their ideas or what they say should count 100%. but uh, it's 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 a very hard balance because as a kid you grow up you everyone is telling you uh listen to everyone uh whenever someone's giving you advice it's it's gold, you know. Like you have to you have to listen, you have to take it, you have to. It's an opportunity of a lifetime to get free advice. Advice is always free. Why don't you listen? Mm. So it's very hard for you to pick and choose the advice and 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 drop the the negative things that are being said. So I think I think the best way at the end of the day is for you to actually only listen to a few people and and not make that circle big at all. That's yeah. Wow. That's really awesome to hear. Like, and you put it across so well there. Um, you know, so many things were popping in my mind here, you know, um, yeah, you know, 
I, I talk to a lot of people saying, right, you, you need to have a good filter in your mind. Like how strong is your filter? Yes, you can listen to everyone, but, but actually when you're young, you don't have a filter, you know, you don't, you can't Not kind of put all. it exactly. And it's like, so you can't expect a teenager to have the same as a 25 year old, you know, of course not, but how can, yeah, how can we get that balance right? And you, you've answered it really nicely. And another interesting thing you said, you were, you were told as a youngster, how talented you are, how good you are, how natural everything comes. And I don't know if you've ever come across um, a lady called Carol Dweck. She did growth and fixed mindset. It's really interesting what she says. And she does all these studies where, where when the young children were praised for talent and how, how good they were at something and praised on their achievements, that later down the line, this caused a lot of anxiety, stress issues. But children, when they were at the same age, that were praised for efforts and strategies and process and nothing to do with result, all to do with how much they try to figure that thing out. Um, later down the line, they were a lot more resilient and they could, they could, they could figure it out a little bit better, but sounds like you did really well. Yeah. Really well later on that, even though you were told about the talent and maybe you believed in that talent, which, which, which is there. um, A lot of people never get past that point. Then they go, Oh, well, you know what? I'm not fulfilling my potential. I'm not fulfilling my talent that everyone's now told me about. So I'm now a failure. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. You, you've, you've dug in and you found a way around that to become what, what they call growth mindset. So growth mindset is where, you know, you, you, you figure it out pretty much. And fixed mindset is you believe what people say and you, you then you fail from it. Um, and yeah. it sounds very similar to maybe you were told a lot of things that made you maybe fixed mindset at the start, but you became growth mindset later. And that's, that's phenomenal. I really like that. No, I, thank you for sharing this. I think this is very interesting what you said. Mm. Like, uh, it's it's a very interesting theory, and I think this is a very great approach with uh, with the youngsters. Now that I look back, I think if if I'm ever a coach, this is definitely something like praising effort and praising the the, the strategy or the way you go around things mm. is definitely something that uh, I don't want to say that's lacked in 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 my. Uh, in my days growing up, but, uh, but certainly I, I was praised for, for being talented so much more than for anything else. So, so it's, it's a very good approach. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And it's again, as as, when I learned about this as well, I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's even hard when you're with a talented kid or even adult, and you kind of say, oh man, that, that I was so like, obviously you can reward and compliment things, but it's very interesting. The language that you use and they've, they've done lots of studies on like the, the importance of the language from coaches and friends to the athletes. And sometimes we use language not in the right way. And we say, we, we say it with good intentions, but the athlete hears it in the wrong way. And that can really yeah. change what's going on in the yeah. mind. And that's, um, yeah. I think it's, yeah, as, as a coach, I think we're, we're in a privileged position to go, Oh, great. We can influence someone, but it's really important. The language that we use. Um, so yeah, well, I hope you may, maybe if you get into that field, this, this can really help. And, Thank um, you, Jesse. Thank you. No, no worries. Um, <laughs> and I'm interested about those, in, if you've got any advice, because this is, again, another common thing, um, you know, you've lost the match that you know you should have won, right? So you've gone there, you've lost yeah. that match, you know you should have won, you've let yourself down badly, not because, you know, they play better than you, just because you've let yourself down badly on the day, and yeah. you're very yeah. upset and very disappointed. How did you try and get over that? Maybe maybe you got over it better later on in your career, but any advice on that for people listening? Uh, to, be, to be very honest? If uh, if you've let yourself down and you've lost, you deserve to feel bad. You deserve it. Like nice. you should, you should, you should feel bad for. I I don't want to say for how long. I don't know for how long, obviously. But I mean, like, like 
yeah, you should not be able to sleep at night. <laughs> you should be staring <laughs> at the ceiling, looking at the ceiling. You should not eat, not feel like eating. You you definitely should make yourself feel bad. And mm. uh, it's obviously it's not. It's, I don't. I don't want to say this is something good to say. It's terrible to say. But if if you've let yourself down, not because the other player was better, just because you were bad that day, uh, then yeah, you. Like you own it. You I, own I, it I would, yeah. You should, you should own it big time, not a little bit, big time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. How, how else, how else are you going to avoid this again? Like, uh, how else? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good advice, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to when you get stuck in the show with us, some of these youngsters, man. You're gonna be like, go and own that. I'm but sorry. I, no, no, no. This is great. This is exactly the conversations that I'm, I'm, I'm uh-huh. hoping for on these things because, yeah, it's, it's, it's again balanced, but yes, own it. Like I definitely feel because I've heard, um, like the New Zealand rugby team, the All Blacks. Yeah, like the coach, you know, goes you know, sitting in the changing room afterwards, you know what, remember this feeling people, because if, if you never want to feel this again, something needs to change. Something needs to change with how you approach the yes. match. And look, if someone was better than you on the day, that's a different story, isn't it? But if it's, if yeah, it's yeah. that was the question, it's kind of, if you've let yourself down by maybe mentally you weren't there or you gave up on a couple of shots. Yeah. I think, I think owning it is really yeah. cool. So also that yeah. with running, what, what happens when this becomes maybe a little bit more long-term and, and what I'm kind of thinking about is, you know, things things just aren't working you're training well you're actually you're dedicated you're doing the right things in practice it's feeling good in practice but the results keep letting you down so you are trying your best you are doing all you can but you're not able to convert that the the practice environment into the performance environment um it's a, it's a tough question this because i'm still always kind of wrestling with this. what do you very think, tough. what do you think on I, that? i think there is no there is no right answer for this there is mm. there's different approaches there's different people how they deal with these emotions you know uh, it also depends on how long you've been playing the sport like if uh, I, I coincidentally watched Marwan Shorbagi's uh, interview post uh, post match interview uh, at the US Open one of the matches and he said uh, last season was not good for me I played I don't know how many years he played but he said I've had maybe 12 seasons I've mm-hmm. had one season. It's okay. It's okay. I see. Like, I see. So, and I really liked his answer. I was like, okay, it's okay. Like if it's not working, it's, it's not working. I know it's very hard at the time mm. to see that, but, but it's very important that after you get through it, you actually see the fact that it sucked, but hey, I'm still standing. I'm still here and I still, and I can still make it better. Every day is a new opportunity for me to make it better. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's it's very hard though when you're when you're during this period when you're thinking should I be changing something should I be still dedicated to the same things that I'm doing should I should I stick to the same team should I switch teams should I, you, you know what I mean like it's hundred percent mm. that's why I'm saying there is no right answer it's different for everyone mm. uh, I'm I'm more of the of a, of a loyal player, I like to stick to stick to the team. If something is not working out, if a season is not is not going as good as we we'd hoped it would, we would sit down and we would make it better. You know, like we would mm. talk together and see how we can make it better. And and if like it was a triangle for me, like my squash coach, my fitness coach, and me. And and sometimes one of us is not doing the the job efficiently, and mm-hmm. and that that leads to to a bad result and 
and sometimes all three of us are not are not at it so it's yeah. it's just important to actually realize where where you're going wrong and and try to fix it uh i'm i'm not pro you know let's it's not working out with this coach let's go somewhere else i'm yeah. i'm not pro that at all i'd like to stick together work together and and because this trust is is what creates the the success eventually mm. 100% I couldn't couldn't agree more and 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 you know you hear it all the time and and it's, it's cliche but it's a real important cliche trust in the process because especially yes. if you've got the right advisors around you you know you you trust firstly trust in, in in your people around you and going okay they've got the best interest for me trust in your process what you're doing okay you also need to maybe iterate slightly and find little gaps that that might have some blind spots that you've not noticed but yeah the kind of the the big swooping changes you know yes they might need to happen a couple of times in a career possibly but but, um, you know, very often it's, it's about drilling into that process and, and keep asking yourself, you know, I, I like to kind of keep asking myself why, like find the why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it this way? Are we sure that, it, okay, and you go, why, why, why? And you keep asking yes. the why and you can yes. really get quite deep with that question. And I think that that becomes quite a, an interesting, interesting place. Um, yeah. Renine, did you, did you ever practice visualizations? Uh, I think, I think I did on and off uh like some some days like it's it's not that i've sat down and done it you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah but but it's definitely been a, a, a part of my my mental preparation somehow it's mm-hmm. uh i've i've always visualized myself playing a match against the against an opponent i've always visualized myself uh hitting all the different shots you know do, doing the the movement with the flow that we've talked about uh i think uh, i've i've worked with a with a mental coach uh early on when i was still a junior and and he's the one who taught me that and mm-hmm. i think that stayed with me all the way until until today mm-hmm. uh and uh, yeah i think it's it's very very important to do it yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a quite a big believer in it and I'm finding different ways and processes as well, because it's, it's not for everyone. I've actually come across loads of studies that, that actually certain people really struggle to, to kind of paint those pictures in their mind and visualize. And actually, it's just not for them. But, you know, that same person, yeah. you, you tell them exactly the same thing and it just could be the most the perfect thing. And I think what I'm trying to discover and what, what I think a lot of the science is now saying is, yeah, it's, it's, it's once you can understand the athlete's like personality type that gets a little bit better going ah right rather than giving them you know everything you know visualization game planning meditation breathing you know here's the big table but actually maybe only two or three of those things will work and and i think um for 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 what coaches and and what i'm trying to do is find out what 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 the things are that will make them work the quickest in a way so yeah you can try these things but i think the next stage of discovery for the mind is actually really drilling into the, the the personality type. So yeah, that's that's uh, watch the space because that's what I'm trying to <laughs> explore at the moment oh. and, and figure that side of things um, out. That's true. That's true. Mm, that's very exactly. good. Yeah. And um, when you were in a match, Renee, I'm going to zoom into a match here. Um, right. What what did you try and do mentally when when everything was not working for you? So warm up was great. You felt everything was going right. I've, I've, I'm ready to play. But, 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 you know, the classic, it's just spiraling. It's just going against you. Um, what strategies did you have to try bring yourself mentally back into that, into the right place? I think I'm not the, I'm not the very best player to ask this question. Everyone knows my mental side of things was, was not the, the strongest, but, uh, but I think uh, often the case is uh, the fact that everything happens so fast and you just don't 
stop to see what's what's going wrong or what's happening or how you can change things. You just you're not stopping. You you know you're going from one service box to the other to mm-hmm. to, to return the serve, and you're not changing anything at all about it. And uh, and I think uh, often this is the thing you need you need to pause. You need to stop. And, and see what's going wrong and you need to stop and reflect and try and change mm-hmm. anything change anything just change you know sometimes sometimes it's a matter of telling yourself just hit one shot just hit one shot don't mm-hmm. don't overthink it don't don't hit don't think of too many shots just just keep hitting you know like stick to one side stick to one side sometimes the answer is just keep running and getting everything and and, and then maybe that will work Sometimes the answer is, uh, all right, s- slow down, slow down the pace, take it easy. I don't know. It's always been different things. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, th- there is no one answer here again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think the very important thing to me was always the fact that stop and, and, and try and see what is going wrong. Like make, make this, uh, Make the stop, like make the stop somehow and, and start again. Totally. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing you say there, it's, it's, it's how can you go, right, the next moment's the most important moment and what can I control within the next moment? I think when you can yeah. get that balance right and not easy when things are, are going really quick, you know, it's just everything's no. firing yeah. out the yeah, way. Yeah. But, but I think the most... Um, you know, mental toughness is such an interesting thing because a lot of people might think mental toughness is like, like grit your teeth, look hard, look strong, look tough and like run like crazy. But for me, mental toughness is the people who can be the quietest in the mind, who can, who can actually handle the next moment and control that next I moment. I agree. You know, and it's, it's, that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? You know, especially with the younger brains or, or people like who are overly nervous. But yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of going, and that's what I heard you say. So I think that's, that's, yeah, it reflects a little bit what I'm trying to work on as well. Um, awesome. Listen, Raneem, you've been like crazy, crazy kind with your time today. I've loved this chat. I've got maybe one, one more thank quick you. little, one more quick question, if that's okay. Um, happy, happy to, yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, it's a little bit what we said at the start. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm curious to know if you are kind of, think you of mentoring or coaching any young players if not have you got any names of any players that we should be looking out for um i know when i interviewed um uh, hania a few a few months ago she mentioned very kindly that she really looked up to you and you gave her a lot of advice when she was young coming up um so that was really cool i think and i think she really looked up to you um any any anyone you're mentoring or anyone we should really look out for in the egyptian scene at the moment i'm really not mentoring or coaching anyone at the moment uh, uh i really enjoy this like i enjoy helping others out no no matter who it is how it is uh, also every player in egypt has their own system they have their own team their own coaches who they listen to who they talk to so i i never try to impose i i I kind of always have not an open door an open phone anyone can call me anytime if they need any help and i'm I try to be as helpful as possible nice. as much as I can, especially with the girls. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit far from the junior scene, so I cannot really uh, name names. I think it's, it's fair to say that uh, the world juniors just ended. The Egyptian yeah. girls were, uh, were, were, rocking, <laughs> uh, were rocking it there. And uh, gotcha. I think uh, all the names, the, the girls and the boys, to be honest, they, they were very good. The boys are still very young and they have a long way to go. Uh, 
and i think uh, i think they'll go far uh, i i'm i'm i cannot i can tell you names because i don't know of names course. that's the yeah, yeah. i'm so i'm so far away <laughs> from the junior scene right now but uh, i try to stay uh, as close as possible and uh, whether i'll be coaching or mentoring that's still uh, undecided but uh, but uh, i'll I, hopefully i'll find an answer soon for now i'm playing just for fun uh, i i'll be joining kami for an exhibition soon hopefully at the tuc nice. uh, we're very excited about this nice. uh, yes Yeah. Uh, so for now it's just for fun and uh, yeah I see how it goes from there perfect oh well listen um, hopefully anyone that's listening that's that's heard that your your phone is open <laughs> hopefully you'll get a, <laughs> a good few phone calls and not be bothered too much um listen yeah, no, family, no. loads of things going on and yeah the, the 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 few Egyptian girls I've spoken to do look up to you massively and they did say you were very um open with all the advice and help you gave and today I've I felt exactly the same this has been such an interesting curious chats and and you know you've taken us in some really interesting ways and painted such a good picture um so thank Renine you. thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate thank it thank you yeah as well thank you very much i really enjoyed it as well it's been uh, it's been a while that i've uh, spoken uh, this long about the uh, squash <laughs> and i really 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 enjoyed it so thank Perfect. you for that opportunity absolute pleasure thank you renee hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh, jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh, let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 